Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with organizational alchemist, educator, and comedian Izzy Gassell. He is an organizational alchemist who helps individuals and organizations transform their thinking from commonplace to extraordinary. Through his keynotes, trainings, coaching, and facilitated sessions, Izzy offers imaginative, intuitive, and immediately useful insights and programs. He is skilled at delivering meaningful material in a way that makes participants enjoy their time with them. One of the first to use improv theater concepts is tools for personal and organizational learning. He is a wonderful professional with a great vision. Enjoy this interview. Izzy, so first and foremost, thank you for taking a minute out. And I want to begin everything. Speaking of improv and things along those lines, the last couple of years with COVID was quite a thing for all of us to live through. And I'm curious how you got through that time period and how it's changed the way that not only you live your life, but the way that you conduct your business. Well, you know, I was doing, I'm a facilitator, a keynote speaker, um, and I was doing a number of programs on Zoom beforehand. So uh, it wasn't that much of a disruption to me. It was an expansion of my possibilities because now I could talk to people all over the world. Uh, and it took away some of the annoyances in that people weren't meeting, so I didn't have to do that marketing. What's interesting for me is that um, what happened is that everybody through COVID realized you have to learn to improvise. That, you know, the, the key about improv is you have a goal, you have a direction, but you're not sure about the outcome because so many things happen along the way that you don't expect. So for me, I got a very strong validation that my concepts of applied improv, which is the application of improv theater principles to real-life situations, like um, staying in the moment, um, not getting stuck with any particular outcome, uh, difference between acceptance and agreement, you know, the yes-and concept. So I, I, I found COVID as a validator for these things that I've been uh, preaching and teaching and, and, and performing on in terms of we can do this in the real world, and the real world is, you know, if all the world's a stage, then the play has changed, and you've got to learn the new lines. So you're an organizational alchemist, but I want to kind of break this down a little bit more. Yeah, let's say I put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day, and one of the kids looks up at you and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How would you answer that child? I work with people and help them see um, ways that they could be more successful. So I give them, you know, like little third grader, you know, like when you're in school, the teacher shows you how to do things and then has you practice them. So I do that in companies. I do that with, with, with teams and I do that with, um, with individuals. You know, just like when you go to Little League or uh, Pop Warner, your, your coach puts you through some, some, um, some practices. And that's what I do for companies. So when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your dream? Oh, uh, <laughs> my dream was uh, uh, to be a uh, movie star. Well, you're, you're, you're close. You're training people to do that. Are you happy with how everything turned out? Um, I, the, the only closest I am to movie stars, I go to the movies. But, yes, I am happy with the way things turned out. Even though they didn't turn out the way I expected, my, my uh, degree, I have a master's in special education. I was a teacher in New York City for, for 12 years. 
Um, but then I, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, so I started, uh, you know, learning comedy. And the, the ins and outs, the many things I've done, I'm, I'm quite, quite pleased with where I am. So, Izzy, i got to tell you, my son, Miles, is 18, and he's been on the autism spectrum his entire life. So I've delved into that world of special ed, and I, and I have a, a huge amount of respect for all the professionals that take their time to help these kids. And yeah, yeah, it's really a challenge, and, and you have to have a certain personality to do it. Wow, yeah, you do, for sure. And, and I'm curious. You know, since this kind of touches home with me a little bit, and you know, I've always admired, obviously, with musicians, performers, how did those years of experience help you in your capacity right now? How did it kind of open up the, the drape, so to speak, to, to this world that you're in? Interesting question. Uh, a, a couple of things. One is that um, on, on some level, a teacher is a performer, in, in that if you look at both teaching and, and stand-up, for example, uh, both of those professions are individuals on a stage with an audience that may or may not be that interested. You have hecklers, you have class clowns, you have repetitive material from the teacher's point of view. So understanding that, that looking back, that uh, part of my ability to hold an audience and, and also to feel helpless with an audience, in other words, when you're bombing, that I think helped me uh, at least understand that when I would go into stand-up, so I did stand-up and I did improv, is that there are things you can control and things you can't, and that practice and structure is helpful, but not not so much that it makes you stuck. You know, teachers who will just say, that's the way it has to be. They're not, they're not indicating to the kid, I want to know how best you can learn. They're saying, you have to learn my way. And I think from performance, uh, what I learned was that um, just because I think it's funny or, or uh, doesn't necessarily other people will be too. So I think I have more empathy for, for um, different points of view. Wow, that's well said. So let me, let, let's take you back to your childhood. You know, we all have these beginnings, the seeds that grow into us. What was your child, where were you born and raised? What was your childhood like? And how did it make you who you are, you know, to be in stand-up comedy, to, to be in performance and sped and all of those things? How did that happen? I was a loner when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't really fit. I grew up in Brooklyn uh, before before it was unlivable. <laughs> my neighbor, my neighborhood. Now I couldn't afford to to live in. And I went to public school in New York. And uh, but I, I was a loner. Um, I, I spent a lot of time wandering the you know the different uh, neighborhoods in New York. Uh, I lived in Brooklyn, but I went to high school in Manhattan. So I, I got a, a taste of the variety that's in New York. And I think what 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 it led to was a a search. And one of the things about New York is that there's so many different neighborhoods, so many different possibilities. And I think I developed a sense of curiosity and a drive to 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 find out what's behind the next block. Or and I think that curiosity led me from teaching because I really wasn't happy there. I mean, I was. I was almost, uh, I had a, I say I have a P, a one-third of a PhD. I was teaching in Hunter College after my work at Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital. I could have gone the academic route, but I didn't, I wasn't that happy. So I, well, okay, I want to do stand-up. I tried stand-up. Um, okay, I was doing stand-up, and then I was teaching comedy writing and, and, and at UMass Amherst, and I was in an improv group. So I think my background um, 
because I was so curious about what's possible, I was, uh, that allowed me to not to be stuck longer than necessary. So a lot of people will say to me sometimes, how did the Domino end up in Kansas City? My dad was born in Brooklyn and raised in Long Island. So when I hear you talking about that, there's a lot of what you're saying that I remember my dad kind of hearkening to. So mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, you know, the one thing that's been that, that's key about all of our lives is that we have good people to look up to. Who's been a role model or a hero for you consistently in your life? Well, I, I, this, uh, the person that comes to mind, uh, one of the people that comes to mind was not somebody who was very consistent, but the person I learned comedy writing from at the uh, the New School in New York, um, I, I took the, these classes. You know, I was teaching. I had a job. Um, but I, 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 one of the things about growing up in Brooklyn, you got to be funny or else nobody will talk to you. You know, there's a certain there's a certain um, uh, cynicism, sarcasm, smart ass attitude that um, you, you know the New Yorker uh, stereotype. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I was the full stereotype, but I did. I, you know, I did know that. Um, comedy, and I'm Jewish, so I grew up, you know, with with the history of, of stand-up comedy, of Borscht Belts, of, uh, of, you know, I always liked that kind of humor. My family liked that kind of humor. Um, so I took this comedy writing class, and, and I was writing okay. I'm a pretty good writer, but I was afraid to get up on stage. So I, I would ask um, two things the, uh, the teacher told me. I said, uh, George, which was his name, how do you overcome your fear of getting up on stage? And he said to me, you don't overcome your fear. You bring it with you. That's what people are interested in. Wow. You know, I look back. That has really helped me because whenever I'm afraid, I realize that that's an empathy point for people. When you're, in, when you're a comedian, when you're a performer, if you think about it, the only thing that, that people are relating to is the empathic part that they connect with about you, the the, the relationship to relate. You know, the, we we have bad relationships with food. We got travel. We got politics. All of those are things that people can connect to, and the vulnerability of a person. And this is what happens in my leadership programs. Um, is you know a lot of leaders say I can't have a sense of humor. Uh, I don't want to. You know, I need to be perfect. I can't make a mistakes because then they won't uh, you know follow me. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. Be human. Be real. Um, show the, your people that, that they can be imperfect and learn from their mistakes and move forward. That's what leadership is about. So um, that was one thing. And the, another thing he, t- he said to me was, um, I, I was always afraid that I'd forget my material. Um, and, and he said, the audience never knows what you leave out. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And from then on, what I do in, in my workshop design or when I coach keynote speakers and all is, is I encourage people to, to do their creative work in a modular fashion. In other words, if, you, if you're a speaker and you think you're going to talk for an hour and you get to the place and they go, well, the boss wants to talk, so you only have 45 minutes, you've got to be able to cut something out and still have a complete, a well-rounded uh, story arc and, and lesson arc. So those are two things that, that I learned from from George Q. Lewis. So every day you wake up, there's things that you want to do that you look forward to that, that propel you out of bed. What is it that you look forward to every day? What motivates you? What drives you? Right now I'm, I'm in a creative mode with a number of people. I'm developing a new program. I'm writing a book. 
what 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 motivates me is is my connections. This is something that's go back to your original question that I really got from COVID is um, because of Zoom and phones and uh, it's really possible to connect with people all over the world. I'm at the point in my career, which I, I've been doing this for 30 years, where well, I am fortunate in that I know that I had an impact because people have told me. Uh, I, there was a guy a couple of months ago, actually almost a year ago now, where I, I found him on LinkedIn. We connected. Hi. He said, you know, I remember you came to my program, uh, to my company uh, in, in early 2000, right when I was starting out. He said, you did a program on humor. I kept what you the handout. And he says, I gave it to my son who's going to college, and I wanted him to, to understand the importance of a sense of humor. This is a program I did long ago. This person kept the material. And I've had other stories like that, that um, I am fortunate enough to be one of those people who I, I know what my purpose has been. I know that I've had an impact, so I don't have to worry about that too much. Um, my legacy, uh, I'm not so much worried about it as uh, what, what can I do. So what gets me up is, is, is my connection and my collaboration in a couple of projects. Uh, and trying to use my time, you know, working on making sure I get some exercise, eating well. You know, I have my personal stuff that I'm, I'm working on that's that's more difficult than my business for sure. So at the end of the proverbial day when you sit back, how do you quantify a good day in your life? I, I, have, I live with a partner, and, you know, I, I recognize that I'm fortunate. Uh, I do a... a uh, a quick uh, recognition of gratitude. I started to m making this little, um, I would say, uh, notebook. I don't always write it down, but I, I go over the good choices I made during the day. Uh, because a lot of my struggle is I don't make good choices. I eat too much. I'm, I'm not exercising. I'm lazy. I'm a procrastinator. You know, all that negative self-talk we can get into. But then I say, you know, I was in, uh, you know, I was getting gas and I had this urge to go buy a bag of potato chips, and I didn't. So at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I, I sort of acknowledge the things I did well, as well as, as trying to focus on the things I'd like to do better. Of everyone that's alive on the planet right now, who would you love to meet and talk to? <laughs> well, I, you said alive, so I'll have to, I'll have to think about that. Well, we can, uh, we can open the door. We can open the door to the spirit world. All right, uh, Le Leonard Cohn. Yeah, just just um, I, I've always liked him. I, I really, is one of my favorites. I got to see him three times in the last couple, last tour that he had um, four or five years ago, and just the it, a couple of things I always liked about him. He's a musician, but he can't sing. Um, he really had walked his own path in that he. Uh, you know, believed in himself. He wasn't famous all the time, and he had his, had his ups and downs. But I, I have a feeling that he was his, his own person, um, and uh, he's a, he, he he looked good. <laughs> he, was, he was very well put together, which I am not, but I admire that. So, so that's one person. In terms of someone alive, um, it's hard to say. Uh, I'll have to give that some thought. Okay. We can circle back to that. Yeah, they yep. just did a tribute album to Leonard, and I profiled one of the tunes that Nora Jones covered, and it was really, really good. Like, the whole album was really good, but hers in particular was wonderful. So, um, Yeah, that's good to know. Um, you know, there's an old one called I'm Your Man, a tribute yeah. album. 
which uh, which is really um, some of the really great stuff. Except I think for for Bono singing Hallelujah, it was really it was really good. Yeah. Uh, did you see sure. the movie about Hallelujah? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then of course Jeff Buckley's rendition is always just one of the best. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's hard to have a bad rendition of that song. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you got to really, really try to do it wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I liked about him, and again, what I, what I was thinking that I, how can I be like that? He had a very nice mix of sort of the sacred and the profane. Even in Hallelujah, you know, part of it is about King David, and part of it is about having sex on in the kitchen. So um, his ability to be a romantic and a, a, um, a skeptic uh, really, uh, I, I really was um, was drawn to that. That's what I felt. You know, I, I felt a, um, a connection to that. For sure. So let's say that you have a dream tonight. You run into the younger version of yourself, say in your 20s, and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom and the roads you've been down. What would you tell that version? Uh, the people who you think know more than you and are wiser are not necessarily um, true about that. So I, I, I had a certain na- my naivete in the twenties about uh, wh- what life was about and, and who, who to go after uh, would be something that uh, I, I'd like to to caution my younger self about. Don't be so naive and being a romantic is uh, trust your gut more about the relationships if it's not working you're not going to be able to fix it you're not going to you're not going to fix other people um bite the bullet and and uh, uh you know move on so you've already talked about a really good piece of feedback you got from your work but is there any fan letter or any feedback that you've got that's been perennial that you've remembered that's been huge in your life there actually there was something uh, a couple of weeks ago where uh, somebody was talking to me about that they had this big um, program to do and they really felt that they weren't qualified and uh, I, I I helped them set it up and we talked for a little bit and and um, they they wrote me back saying that this is the first time in their life that they were able to invalidate their imposter syndrome. They, they silence their imposter. I help them silence their imposter, and I thought that that was a great gift for them to tell me that because um, uh, it, 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 it 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 just lightened their life, and that really it, it really made me feel good. You know, again, it, it's just something that my work had value, and I had value, and my insights were correct, and. Um, I was very happy to that they took the time to to tell me that. So the thing about life is that we have all these roles and different capacities. You know, there's a perception that our family, friends, fans, colleagues, all of these people have. But ultimately, we are in control of what we do and the life we live. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I am a person who... In some ways, a seeker. I'm a creative person who's a seeker who has the ability to translate some things for other people so that they're feeling more comfortable uh, taking risks. I think that's what improv has given me. My ability to teach the principles and practices of improv as real world skills. Um, 
and being able to translate that. Uh, so I'm a person, I think, who, who relieves other people's stress. So, Izzy, if anyone out there wants to learn more about you and what you do, anything related to your world to get involved, where can they go to do that? Best place is my website, izzyg.com, I-Z-Z-Y-G.com. That's the letter G. I'm also on LinkedIn as Izzy Cassell. Those are the two places I play with, uh, I play most often. A lot of, lot of stuff on the website in terms of my, my philosophy and my thoughts, so... That would be the place. Perfect. Izzy, hey, this has been wonderful. Thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking a minute out. Good luck with everything. Have a great 2023, man. All right. Thanks. It was great. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, comedy, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.